Welcome to the LSAT Habits Podcast, where in each episode we present key habits you can master to study smarter, save time, and raise your LSAT score. I'm your host and instructor, Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com. This is interesting because you know we've shared books, you and I, MK, and you shared this book with me. It's called Spark, and I love it. It's transformed the way I, the reason I exercise, and I share this with all my students. So Spark is a great book if you're looking for reasons to start exercising. It's written by a doctor who did a ton of research around exercising and how it would help his patients that he worked with. And there are a couple of key studies in the book that really changed my view of exercise too. The first being a study that was done on students outside of Chicago. And they found that the students who exercised before class performed a lot better in class than those who didn't. So to me, that said, oh my gosh, if I'm studying for the LSAT, I'll be able to perform better if I exercise prior to taking the LSAT and prior to studying. Sure. Exercise has got the health benefits, but the big thing about this book, right. And the reason that you're into it, and frankly, I've become into it is because it's great. It's got the physical benefits, but this is going to help your cognitive performance, right? We're specifically talking about this because great, I'll feel better, but more importantly, I will perform better on exams. Is that right? Right. It helps basically prime your brain to learn. It talks a lot about this protein called BDNF, which Mm. basically your brain produces and it helps with memory. It helps you learn new topics. And yeah, the book itself goes into many reasons why exercise transforms your brain. And basically like a couple of stats that really helped me understand the benefits of exercise were that uh, they did these studies that looked at people with depression and they found that exercising every other day had the same impact on someone's brain who had depression as a daily antidepressant. Apparently, like I read, I listened to another podcast that talked about the book too, done by a psychiatrist. And he said that it's this shortcut with working with his patients with like anxiety disorders and depression. If, if you can get them to exercise, it's a shortcut. It just makes everything so much easier. So yeah, I built this into my daily routine before studying and before every PT I took as well. Awesome. And if I may, you know, obviously, you know, MK and I are not doctors, at least not yet. Yes. So we're not advising anyone <laughs> no. out there. Hey, if you're, if you're prescribed any medicine for any reason, we're not suggesting you don't do it uh, at all. Right. But w- w- I guess where we're coming from on this is right. It does have these great benefits and yeah, this was a few studies, but it, it's um, they're, they're pretty, if I remember reading in the book, they're pretty prominent. And so like, I, I will tell you, right. I've had students who have thought about it again, I always tell them not a doctor, right. But if you're feeling down or, you know, if you're, if you, if you have an aversion to anything else, 
there are some really great benefits with exercising. And I know that it's lifted my spirits quite a bit. And I regularly do it for that reason. And it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, um, sometimes prepping for this exam, right? It, it, it takes a while, it can take some time and there's a lot of anxiety going into this. And so it's nice to, it may be nice to just have this as just a regular way of keeping your mood, the, you know, level. Definitely. I found it was something that helped me stay like cool, calm and collected. It helps you with like your mood and with focus. So it's, it's just the best. Basically there's this one psychiatrist who describes, um, depression again, we're not doctors here, but, um, you know, just depression as being this fear of not having energy Mm. and, Ironically, by expending energy through exercise, you actually get more energy. That's something that really helps people, you know, keep exercising is that being re-energized. I think you were mentioning a study, and I think it was based on this school in Illinois. Uh, the yes. in there where they they're do, if I'm hearing correctly, right? They're doing they're doing exercise specifically, not for the physical purposes, but specifically for the performance on reading comprehension. Did I hear that right? Do I have that yes. right? Mm-hmm. I think, and I think they found, they found the students that exercise before just perform so much better. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, right. certainly I think, you know, they were high school students and reading comp on the LSAT is not entirely the same, but it's quite similar, right? We're reading these very challenging passages. We're not always thrilled to read them. Um, it requires a lot of mental energy. And so, right, if I'm hearing this correctly, right, they would purposely work out or do some intentional cardio specifically so that when they went and did some reading comp afterwards, they would perform better. Is that right? Yeah. And I think the way they tested it was using heart rate monitors. So the cool thing is too, like a lot of us, if we have like our smartwatch, that's something we can track too. If we're trying to build like cardio habit, we can track, we can track our heart rate. So they would make sure that the, they would, they would basically, they were able to capture effort because one person running an eight minute mile and another person running an eight minute mile, that's going to be a different amount of effort. So they really focused on that effort that each student was putting in, which just like leveled the playing field. And it was just really like a really great way to approach it instead of, being like, you have to run a 10 minute mile or a nine minute mile or whatever. Each student put in a certain amount of effort that was unique to them and their current fitness level. And then would see incredible gains in the classroom following. And I just think that's such a great thing that we, we have available to us something that we don't have to pay for. We don't have to pay to exercise. We can just like put on sneakers and go outside. We don't need to have some sophisticated knowledge of different types of exercise. We can just simply go for a run. We all know how to run, you know, or if we have some sort of injury, you know, there's other options, biking, swimming, even something that gets your heart rate up. It just, it's just amazing that we, we have this available to us and it's such a powerful tool that can not only transform our brain, but make us better students, better just better people all, all around because we are in better moods. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I just want to add to, I want to go back to a point you made. I want to make sure I'm hearing correctly because, right, like some people will be like, well, I'm not in shape or I'm, I haven't worked out in a while. And I've heard this from some students when I've suggested 
right? This book and the whole idea to them. They've been like, well, I don't run that often. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's about it's about you putting in that effort at the place you're at now, right? So right. if someone hasn't run in a while, maybe it's a brisk walk. If someone, you know, kind of jogs, but they're not intense about it, well, then, you know, if someone's a marathoner, then okay, that's different, right? But it's more about, you know, the, the, the it's, it's relative to the person, basically exerting that level of cardiovascular exercise that's relative to where you are. It's about that effort. And if I remember correctly, I think, you you probably know this better than me, and I hope I don't butcher it, but the idea was I think they were trying to target something around like 70% of your maximum heart rate or 60%. And anyone out there listening, please don't hold me to this. I'll we'll put the link to the book in and you can check it out for yourself. But right, it, it was like, it's not about, it was your maximum heart rate, 70% of your maximum heart rate, 60% of your maximum heart rate. And so the idea goes back to, you expending this effort. It's not like I have to go run a four minute mile or something necessarily. Is that fair? Right. Totally. And I think this, this, I love that you said this because it connects to what we talked about in our last episode, which was the focus on like the process, not the outcomes. Mm -hmm. So this whole approach to exercise is really revolutionary because it takes away those, that outcome, like the speed, how fit you are. And it focuses on like that effort you're putting in and yes to, and, and if someone doesn't have access to like, to know their maximum heart rate basically. And if you don't mind me sharing Jimmy, um, I did research on like, okay, what is the optimal routine? Basically I was like, I I don't have a ton of, yeah. Like, because I don't have a ton of time. I was working full time you know, um, I wanted quality time with my son in the morning. Um, and I also need to study. So it's like, I didn't have a ton of time to work out and I also didn't want to like overdo it. And so basically if you run for 10 minutes every other day, the minimum for a healthy person that this will help you optimize your focus, your mood. And, but, but allows you to put in like the minimum (laughs) if Mm. you're healthy minimum 10 minute running every day during that 10 minute run every every other day. Yeah. 10 minute run mm -hmm, every other day. And then a fast run. So it's like uncomfortable to talk. That's kind of like how, you know, and then three 30 second sprints. And it's some, that's something called like fartlek. I don't know if if you're familiar with that term, but basically it's, it's a word that yeah. Um, so it's F A R T L E K. I thought it sounded like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's F-A-R-T-L-E-K. a Swedish term. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a Swedish term, but oh. it's really funny. Right. Um, but it's basically incorporating a couple sprints into your run three, three 30 second sprints that is basically equivalent to the benefits that a 20 or 30 minute run at a slightly slower pace would offer. So if you just want to get your run, if you hate running, if you want to get it out of the way, be like, okay, I'm just going to run really fast for 10 minutes with three 30 seconds sprints. I can handle that, you know, and just every other day, that's the minimum. Yeah. That's like the, the minimum. Yeah. But go ahead, Jimmy. I am so happy you shared that because I think, you know, one of the one of the things I always try to share with my students is, hey, we've all got 
the one resource that's limited for all of us in life, no matter what situation you're in, is time, right? We don't have so much time. And so I was like, how do we do this efficiently? How do we study efficiently? And so I love this, right? Because we're giving someone, hey, I don't have time to exercise, but this is actionable. You can do this in this amount of time. So I want to make sure we get it straight. Because mm-hmm. maybe most people did, but I, I want to maybe just for me. I don't know, but like, so I'm hearing 10 minutes. Now that 10 mm-hmm. minutes, you said that like, that 10 minutes is the 10 minutes where you can't talk because you're going at that kind of pace or you can talk. It's difficult. Difficult. To it's talk. Like, 10 minutes of difficult yeah. Talk, right. And then the 30 second sprints, is that in addition to the 10 minutes or that's within take, 10 minutes? Within, within. I'm so like 10 minutes total. And then yeah. within three times for 30 seconds within the 10 minutes, I'm going beyond difficult to talk. I'm normally it's difficult to talk, but now it's I'm sprinting. So I definitely can't talk. Right. It's all out. And you feel like you're going to die, but you keep (laughs) going. (laughs) Like it should be very uncomfortable. Right. But then it's over, you know, everything, just a moment in time. It's just 10 minutes. Like, I feel like we can handle that. Right. (laughs) Obviously if there's anyone out there with any crazy heart issues. Right. Cool. You know, just be careful. Hold off. Don't you're, you're the exception. Check with your doctor for the rest of us. Fair. So I love this again. It gives us something actionable and efficient. You said every other day, the 10 minute deal, three 30 second sprints. And what are the, now what are the effects of this specifically? Is this mentioned in the book or is this outside of the book? And is this also going to give you that cognitive edge or. So they, in the book, I think they talk about like 30 minute runs every other day, but this is like a way to shortcut it a little bit, but still get the same benefits basically is distilling down. Okay. Yes. Every other day, a run, but 10 minutes. And then what I also did was because I like to lift. I also like every other day between that, I would do a like intense lift where I focus on supersets, like doing a lot of reps at a high intensity. So I'm still getting my heart rate up, but not as high as like a run that helped me. Like, I just, those, those workouts feel so good, you know? And so I enjoyed doing that too. And those workouts were usually like 15 to 30 minutes, Mm. but always, always less than 30 minutes. Like, I think that was, which was so striking to me looking back was that how little time I really spent exercising, but, you know, relative to like, um, maybe at other points in my life, but, but also how like great I felt and how, um, consistently I was able to exercise because it was so manageable. It worked for my schedule. And I think this type of schedule works for most people. And yeah, I definitely, and I built it into like, every time I would take a PT, I would do that 10 minute run. Yeah. So, and I want to go back to what you were saying before you were talking about the, yeah. the, the days that you wouldn't do the 10 minute deal. Right. So the mm-hmm. other days, right. Cause you're alternating the other days yeah. was high intensity interval training with weights, which not everyone has to do, but you liked it. It was beneficial. And the, the thing I really like is right. 30 minutes max. And again, just because we want to make, the, you don't have to drive yourself nuts. I got to go join a gym and be in there for two hours or whatever. Right. Um, but, but, but the common denominator with both of these, right, is that it's something you could do in a relatively brief amount of time. Is that fair? Yeah. And also, you don't need a gym membership to do mm-hmm. that. You can have some free weights. I I didn't have a gym membership <laughs> at this <laughs> point 
well, also, in my life. Where a lot of gyms were closed, <laughs> right? A lot of gyms were closed. And also I knew myself and I knew that if I had a gym membership, it wouldn't change anything. Like I, it's just easier for me to work out at home or to work out in my neighborhood. Yeah. And so all these things are doable. And I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll tell you when I was studying mm-hmm. for the exam, and this is before I was teaching and before I had the benefit of hearing about Spark from you, I didn't know the cardio had some benefit, but I didn't have the kind of data that's available in that book and, and the podcast optimal work. But I remember I would just do like 20 minutes of light cardio before a PT. And I don't know if that's as optimal as the stuff you're sharing. In fact, that anyone out there is listening, I would recommend you know, you go with, with the crazy, the great stuff MK mentioned, particularly the 10 minute deal. But the idea was even for me, then it would just get my heart rate going, get my, and I would think quicker. And uh, to this day, I incorporate now because, especially because of spark and you sharing with me, even though I'm not, you know, with studying for the LSAT, like my students, it makes my day when I exercise, I think better and quicker. But back when I was studying for the exam, I would particularly do 20 minutes of light cardio Again, what you're saying, MK is more optimal, but right. The idea being not so much the physical benefits, but I felt like one, I felt better, you know, like emotionally, but two, I felt like I thought quicker. I feel like it increased my processing speed and my, you know, again, energy, right. But your mental energy, I just felt like the rest of my day, everything was done at a quicker pace. I was sharper. Is that kind of, that's some of the benefits that you're getting out of this. Totally. I felt like it always primed my brain for whatever challenges the day was going to bring, you know, because every day has challenges. And if it was studying for the LSAT, like, and I got a question wrong, if I had exercised beforehand, I would be able to like embrace that with a more positive mindset. Like Mm. this is a question wrong. This is another step closer to understanding and refining my process here. Yeah, totally. It it is so powerful. And the 20 minute run to your credit, I think is probably equivalent to this 10 minute run. The exercise, the benefits last 48 hours too. So that's why it's like every other day, but like 48, 48, 48. Yeah. Two days. So if you do that run, that, that the mental capacity, it lasts as lasts like two days. So if someone only wants to work out like a couple times a week, you can totally do that and still be feeling like all these benefits. I just think I did every day because I like mixing it up. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to, it can be like, it doesn't have to be time intensive, which is really cool. Nice. It's funny. I was going to add, well, I was about to say, gee, you know, there are some days where like, oh, I don't get a chance to do it. I noticed that the like, cause I've reincorporated it based on spark and the conversations we've had, but there are days where I don't get to do it. I do notice a difference. And like, cause I, I was about to say like, Oh, there are days I don't do it because I don't have time. And then I thought about that old, you know, cliche sales pitch. You can't afford not to do it. Like that's kind of what we're telling people that are out there. You can't afford not to work out. And I suppose it's true, but it's especially true well, right. One, the effect. I'm just much better and more efficient and happier throughout the day. So I guess I can't afford not to do it. But the other thing is, right, like, especially when you just shared, right, 10 minutes, anyone could do the 10 minutes and it makes you so much quicker. You can't afford not to work out, people. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And I think to link it back to our last episode, too, we if you just like if you're really resistant to doing it and you're just like, Oh, I don't want to go on a run 
or you don't want to exercise. I find if I just put all my energy to putting like my sneakers on, Mm. then I'm so much more likely to like follow through. And that's something that James Clear in Atomic Habits like talks about. He's like, when I get home from work, if I, if I sit on the sofa, what I'm going to end up doing is ordering Indian food (laughs) with my girlfriend and like binge watching my latest Netflix show. However, if I come home and put my sneakers on right away, then I will go to the gym. You know, it's like, sometimes it's those little tiny little actions that can lead to doing the the full run. It can be overwhelming to be like, oh, I have to go work out now. That's so, so overwhelming, but just putting your sneakers on, I think we can manage that. Yeah. I remember that part of the book. I remember exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Right. I tie my sneakers, right. I put my running shoes on and it's, once you got that going, right. Or like, you know, you and I don't go to gyms, but if I was going to a gym, once you get into that gym, it's happening. So yeah. yeah great point. And, and, and right on, on the other end of the spectrum, right. If I sit down on the couch, if I, mm-hmm. if I lay down in bed, I'm probably less likely to be effective. I'm probably going to binge watch or I'm probably going to take a nap. So you just, that one push in the right direction. That's a great point. My son's babysitter would always say that she's like, when I get, when I go home from watching my son, um, while you're working, uh, if I sit down, she's like, I'm going to sleep, but she's like, but if I put my sneakers out and I go to the treadmill, like I'll do my workout, you know, a lot of people benefit from these, these concepts for sure. And I also loved your sales, the sales thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, we're like a really bad infomercial. Can't afford not to work out, students. Oh my gosh! I'm just like imagining someone with like a really red face, like yelling at me, yelling but at oh, <laughs> and a and a crappy suit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to think of who the infomercial person was back. Well, there were a bunch of them, yeah. right? Yeah, like that's going to say to our listeners, right? Like, you know, make it work for you. And again, right. There's no, like, oh, I'm not in shape. Well, good. It's about pushing yourself a little bit, right? If it's, if a brisk walk is what's going to get you to the place where you're exerting energy, do the brisk walk. If it's yeah. like, no, I'm really in crazy shape. Well then push yourself. Right. But it's relative. There's no wrong way of doing it. As long as you're kind of pushing yourself a little bit and the benefits are amazing and we do it in less time. Right. So I do want to point, um, one other point, two, two quick points, actually. Okay. One, um, I have to bring this up because he does, I, I, I started rereading the book again, since we decided we're going to do this. He actually mentions for anyone out there, again, the book is Spark and it's by John Rady. I'll put it, I'll put it in the show notes, but please check out this book. He actually mentions the LSAT specifically in the second. I forgot. Yeah. He does? No, he's, to be fair. He's not doing it to be like, I want to address the LSAT specifically. That's he's just doing it as a for instance. And he's talking about college students. He's like, for instance, if you're an undergraduate and you're getting ready for the law school admissions test. So I I would be remiss if I didn't bring that up. So again, it's not about this is very LSAT specific, but he happens to mention it. But he does say something that I think is interesting in that example. And he was basically saying, if you're doing 35 minutes of cardio at a 70% heart rate, it's not like you want to study while you're working out. I know that sounds cool, you know, but 
he makes an important distinction. I don't think there's it's the end of the world, right? But it's about the after effects. And I think you were kind of getting at this MK with the 48 hours, right? But he was specifically saying, right, like, it's not like, oh, let me go and do LSAT problems or do my drilling while I'm on the treadmill or the exercise bike. That's not, in fact, that you probably won't see yourself perform as well during that because you're exerting that energy into your physical activity. But he was making the point that when you're done, right? So I go do 35 minutes on a treadmill or my bike at 70% heart rate. When I'm done, I'm going to perform significantly better than I would otherwise if I were working on LSAT problems. And that's when he kind of brings up the LSAT. But I think the big thing is, right, like, and it sounds silly, but like, I could see myself doing this back in the day. Oh, let me go start drilling LSAT problems while I'm on the treadmill. Oh I mean, gosh, I don't right. think it's the worst thing in the world, but you're probably not going to perform as well. But you will see a difference in your performance directly after cardio. Oh my gosh. I so appreciate you bringing this up because I used to do stuff like that too. Like (laughs) I would, when I was in college, I'd have like a textbook on the bike. Like, what, what are we doing here? This is crazy. You know, I was thinking, oh, this will help me. What? No, this book, like I just, that's what I love about the book too. It just, it breaks down all of our misconceptions. And like, we were talking about this earlier before we got on, on the, um, started recording, but just dissuading, like even just focusing on the mental benefits instead of like weight and appearance is so, so empowering. And I think it is a much more sustainable motive because on a given day's day, like our weight is going to fluctuate. The way we look fluctuates based on our like stage of life. I mean, oh my gosh, I was running, you know, at 39 weeks pregnant, you know, and that was a very different look than like post marathon, you know, very different. But like, if it were about the way I look, I would be 30 weeks pregnant and feeling like just like not great. You know, maybe I wouldn't be working out if I was focusing on the way I look. Cause I'm like, but you don't look, but yeah, (laughs) but, um, when you focus on like the mental benefits, just takes all that noise away. We're focusing on what matters, like our brain, like how we're functioning and, and that affects like how we treat other people too. So anyway, That's a great point. I just want to add, you know, it's funny what sustains me. And the reason I work out to this day is not, I mean, there are other physical things that I want to do. Cool. Right. I want to have a certain body fat person, whatever, you know, but honestly, the biggest motivator is how it makes me feel. Right. I feel so much better. I feel so much sharper and certainly happier and in a better place after I work out. It makes my day much more doable than if I don't. Yes, there are physical benefits. But what keeps me going is honestly that. Me too. I always come back to, I'm like, I just, how I'm going to feel and how it's going to affect how I feel for the rest of the day. The last thing I want to ask you about, Mm because anxiety and we Mm. we touched on a little bit of like mood and everything, but I have to tell you in, in, in my five places of teaching the LSAT, particularly now in the past few years, the number one question I get from students is about anxiety. Test anxiety, anxiety in general, just anxiety. And part of it might have been, right, we're in the middle of the pandemic. It can be quite isolating. This is a very, in addition to the fact that this is a very intense test, but anxiety is one of the biggest questions I get. Any thoughts on how exercise helps with that? 
Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought this up because, and let's, I, I think I'll frame this. Let's frame this around test day anxiety and test anxiety because there's generalized anxiety disorder and we're not doctors here. So let's focus on test day anxiety in regards to the LSAT. But yes, I I definitely struggled with test day anxiety. So for anyone listening, definitely check out um, Optimal Work, Dr. Majors. He specializes in anxiety. So he has a lot of great um, strategies for specializing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anxiety and attention. Basically, anxiety, what I learned from uh, one study that was done at Harvard, where they basically had two different groups of students taking a standardized test, and one group had a message on the top of their paper that said something to the effect that, you know, we're going to be testing your, you know, stress levels, something sort of generic like that during this test. And then another group had a message that stated something to the effect that there is, you know, studies show that anxiety, you know, test nerves are actually there to help you perform at your best. And those aren't bad feelings. Like that's normal. And actually those are a good thing. So basically like reframing that experience of anxiety and those students that saw that message performed much better on the test overall. So basically the learning from that is that anxiety is actually adrenaline, apparently, according to doctors, it just needs to be reframed. So that testing anxiety, that's great. That's energy there to help us perform at our best. And I had seen that those feelings as like very negative, but if I exercised before and I welcome those like feelings, Mm. I found actually like feeling nervous, help me think more quickly and be more focused if I, but if I was like, Oh no, I shouldn't be feeling that way. And like pushing those feelings down, it would just get worse. And that's like the nature of anxiety. Apparently anxiety is the emotion of fear. So when we welcome it, we say, bring it on. It sort of loses its like power and it propels you to your best performance. You emailed me this quote. You said anxiety is adrenaline, is adrenaline ready to be reframed. Yeah. Great point. Right. So if you're feeling that right before an exam, I guess I get what you were saying about those students who had seen these two different messages. Right. But I could have this feeling of anxiety and be like, okay, let me use this to get me pumped. Or I could succumb to it and let it paralyze me. And I'm not going to say that it's that easy, right? But at, right, at minimum, our easy. goal should be like, hey, we're going to feel this. It's right. human. Yeah. To the yes, extent that I, I can, if I'm going to feel this, let me use this to get me pumped and hustle versus let me, you know, it's not easy, right? But let, I'm going to try not to succumb to it and let it paralyze me on some level. Right. There. Right. And also like if, cause if we think that something is bad that we're experiencing, that's like, that is a paralyzing idea. Right. But when we think of anxiety as something that is just, no, that's adrenaline. That's just adrenaline. That's running through me right now. I have adrenaline because 
this is a big deal what I'm doing right now. Welcoming that saying, bring it on. That was like a motto that I learned, bring it on, bring it on. You know, this is good energy. I did find that I felt the same levels of anxiety, testing anxiety during the 180 and the one, like the time I scored in the one fifties as well. So it just kind of shows you, it's like, you know, it's, it's not about how much anxiety you feel. It's how you use it. Is it, is it going to be a tool or is it going to be something that holds us back? That's a great point. I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. Is that right? Like the same level of anxiety before the test and, or after the test or both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. During, during both tests and after the test, you felt the same level of anxiety throughout. Yeah. Yeah. So one, I mean, it's I wanted. It's funny because, right, you know, <clears throat> I have a bunch of students who just took the exam, and I told them how I, a similar thing with me, right? Like, I certainly after the test, I, I felt, you know, just feelings, right? Like, how did this go? So many things on the line. I didn't feel like different than I did the time I'd taken it before, right? And so, so it's it's hard to like interpret and be like, gee, I I didn't do well or I did do well. But it's so interesting for, to hear that, right? You had the same level of anxiety before the exam when you got the 180 versus if you, you know, if you didn't score 180 on a practice test or whatnot or an exam. I definitely felt way more anxious on test day. So then I did during any practice test. And I kind of knew that going in, you know, the, just the real thing, it's different, but there were a couple of things during practice. Like I would try to make it as similar as possible to like what it would be like taking the test mm-hmm. on test day. So I would feel all the feelings, you know, feel that anxiety, like having, I would have my camera on when I took the test. Cause that's what you do when you're taking the, you know, the, uh, test online. Now, um, you have your camera on, you have your mic on, you have someone who's on the other side of the camera, like watching you the whole time proctoring. And that made me very like anxious and uncomfortable having someone watching me. <laughs> so I would always have my camera on and then I would send a zoom link to some close friends of mine and ask them like, Hey, if you have time, like can you just like join my zoom and and maybe say something kind of like what would happen during a test to simulate that. And it really made me very anxious and nervous. Like when someone would all of a sudden like say, Hey, Hey, MK, like, ah, (laughs) Oh my gosh, who's that? (laughs) Um, But that would like sort of mimic that experience of the test and increase my anxiety levels. But I really saw it as like, because of my understanding of anxiety and how it affects our brain, I was able to frame that as good energy. You know, this is adrenaline. This isn't something that needs to hold me back. Easier said than done. That took a lot of practice to get there. Um, I just want a couple of points. You, you said some really great things that I want to address real quick. Are there any other tactics, you know, like tactics as opposed to the broad strategy of combating anxiety? Yeah, basically the reframing, reframing anxiety as adrenaline, <clears throat> saying bring it on. And then also having the attitude that I'm not trying to get rid of anxiety. I'm trying to use it. Also, I developed another motto 
that I would say to myself, like when I was taking the test and I was down between two choices, I, at the near, this is towards the end of my prep. I would sometimes think the anxious choice is the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. The reasonable choice is the right choice. Cause sometimes you're like, get panicky during the test and you just like choose one, but you haven't really thought through why. And so that, that helped me too. Yeah. That's a great I had all these little mottos. <laughs> you, 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 remember you told me about that. Oh, yeah. was that from our work? Yeah. Yeah. This, this, you helped me develop a bunch. Like you gave me the idea to have mottos and they, I have to say, they really helped me throughout the test. I really appreciate it because I think anyone listening can t- relate to all of this, like that testing nerves, getting down to two, like, you know, how, how nervous you get on the actual day, just having these like mottos that help you combat every step is so helpful. Um, oh, and then Jimmy, during the break, they have a break. I did jumping jacks in oh, my- nice. And they were, it was fine. Um, they, they did, I mean, check with your proctor, but they, they was fine. I just did jumping jacks during my break. So like a little exercise to get my heart rate up, you know, you, you know, channel the energy, all that nervous energy. So, you know, that's so funny. I did something similar. I think I did yeah. push-ups or something. It doesn't, you know, whatever works for, maybe I did some jumping jacks. I definitely did some push-ups. I think I even did a little bit of stretching. But yeah, like it's a great tool to deal with that nervous energy and frankly enhance your energy, right? I felt even a little more energetic by doing those push-ups during the break. You don't want to exhaust yourself, but that's such a great point. And I want to stay on what you were saying about mottos, right? Because I think that's something you and I discussed, you know, um, just kind of like having the, I think I've changed the name. I've called them mantras, mottos. Today I refer to them as maxims, but basically like, and this is something anyone could do for anxiety, right? If you know that at some point when you're taking a PT or at some point knowing yourself, hey, what happens if I panic? Or hey, what happens if this happens? Or I've seen myself get to this point. Sometimes just having, you know, you could even write this down on a review sheet or something, but having, like you said, a motto or a, a maxim or a mantra or just some sort of phrase where you can just kind of remind yourself of that, have it as a tool in your toolbox, and then you can, you can kind of like, it's not everything, but it's one tool that might help you get out of whatever is rattling you or giving you anxiety or something. I couldn't help, but, you know, when you were talking about this, right, or like how we reframe it, we're feeling these things, right? I'm feeling this energy or I'm having, you know, like whatever we call anxiety, right? I'm feeling it, but how do I interpret it? Do I interpret it as energy that I can use or do I interpret it as something that, oh my God, and I succumb to it. But it, it, you know, it, this is going to get all LSAT nerdy, but I'm going to take a risk here because you might appreciate yeah. this and listeners of ours might appreciate this. The idea of an inference in LSAT jargon is pretty broad. And I want to get too technical here, right? But it's something that applies to almost every section. Certainly applies to games, right? They're giving me these rules, but I'm going to think about how I can how, think about how they affect each other and how I can use these rules. In passages in RC, right? They're giving me clues. How can I make a broader inference? But in, to some in NLR as well, right? But the general idea is I've got this idea or stimuli or thing, and it could have a it could be interpreted a number of ways, but how am I going to use it? And I'm getting all philosophical with an LSAT jargon, but the general idea is if I'm feeling anxiety, how am I going to use it? Does it necessarily have to be bad? Can it be a good thing? Can it be energy for me to hustle and get pumped? 
Or does it have to be this, oh my God, I'm shallow breathing. What do I do? You know, and I get paralyzed by it. But, and, it's, and again, again, this is a very nerdy thing to say, but either way, we're presented with these stimuli. In this case, this feeling of anxiety. How do I use it? Is it necessarily bad? It doesn't necessarily have to be bad. We can, like you said, reframe it to use it to our advantage. Just like, and again, I'm getting really nerdy here, but in a game, sometimes the annoying, weird parts of a game are, oh my God, that rule's so weird. If I use that weird seeming rule or that thing that looks like an obstacle, it actually can be the key to unlocking the game. Maybe these feelings of anxiety on some level don't have to be so bad and they can be things that we can channel into giving us energy. I'm going to stop. I guess I, I, love I, that. I did something right or I went off the deep end, but what are your thoughts? I love that because I think that the strategy we just talked about for approaching anxiety and the strategy for approaching inference questions on the LSAT, whether it's which, whichever section mm-hmm. is very similar in that when you are doing an inference question, like a must be true, must be false question. It's the inference is based on information in front of you. And sometimes we get lost in the, in the thought process. And we, maybe we take a logical leap that's too great or we don't, and we're not inferring correctly. And how do we combat that? We return to the evidence we have in front of us for mind for mindfulness. That is a strategy that we can use returning to the breath of our chest is how we combat is like a really effective way of combat combating the feelings of anxiety, returning to how our bodies and how we feel. So I think they're really similar, right? Cause you're returning to reality, <laughs> like what's in front of you and the breath in your chest for anxiety and inference. I, I just want to add the last thing of the, I want at this point, you could stay more if you want. Right. But like, I mean, yeah. generally, right. I think you know, anyone can read the book for themselves spark by John Rady and, and, you know, that optimal work podcast. I'll, I'll put this stuff in the show notes, but right. Certainly again, I get anxiety a lot. Excuse me. I get anxiety raised as an issue um, from my students a lot. Like I'm dealing with anxiety. How do I deal with it? But I mean, broadly speaking, you know, there, there are a number of ways it's been demonstrated that it, it helps a lot. Exercise helps a lot of people manage their anxiety and sort of calm themselves. It does have a calming effect. And so for no other reason, so many people are dealing with anxiety and I get it, right? There's a lot on this test, but the the broader habit of this exercise can help you, right? Both as you're getting ready for a PT or you're doing your studies, but also throughout this long process of just keeping you grounded um, as you're preparing for this exam. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yes, definitely. Exercise has very broad benefits. Thank you for listening. Again, I'm your host, Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com. Please do subscribe to the LSAT Habits podcast and share these episodes with friends. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, feel free to reach out to me and check out my website. Again, it's jdlsat.com. That's jdlsat.com.